Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development program that changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to part two of this message called The Manger, the Cross, or the Throne. And I really didn't get to go very far into this last week, but we're going to we're going to dive a little bit deep. And remember, this is part of a video series called The Coming King. Now, you know, we've already touched on this, but just by way of review, I want to remind you that we have over 300 detailed prophecies about Jesus' first coming. And then, and in those prophecies, we have very specific prophecies about his birth, where he would be born, his escape to Egypt, all, you know, all of these things that would happen in his birth. And then, of course, we have very detailed prophecies about his life, his ministry, his death, burial, his crucifixion, and ultimately his resurrection. And what's amazing is the fact that and these over, there are more than 300 scriptures that give very detailed prophecies of Jesus first coming to planet Earth. And there are so many significant things about this. You know, many people don't realize that when, uh, uh, when it was prophesied that Jesus would be crucified, there really wasn't any such thing as crucifixion. The, the Roman government didn't even didn't crucify at that time there actually wasn't a roman government at that time and so there were prophecies that were so specific so detailed literally the very words that the guards spoke at the cross when they were crucifying jesus the fact that they took his clothes and that they they parted all of his clothes except for one and because it was so valuable they didn't tear it up and, and divide it up they they gambled to see who was going to get it it just amazed me. And I'll tell you, the first time I read the New Testament through as a new believer, one of the things that just mesmerized me was the accuracy of prophecy about all of these details that would happen in Jesus' life and his ministry and his crucifixion, his death, burial, and resurrection. That just, that just blew my mind. You know, I remember a really dear friend of mine wanted to kind of study a little bit about prophecy and and so she started you know reading about about Isaiah and she called me one day and she said I didn't know that there were five different Isaiahs I said I don't know what you're talking about she said yeah she said you know I'm reading this I'm reading this this uh, uh commentary about Isaiah and it explains how there were there were four or five different Isaiahs and that the real truth is that God did not foretell any of those events uh they were just told by several different people that lived at different times in history. And I said, well, you know, the truth is that's a lie because there are people who do not want to believe the Bible. There are people teaching in seminary and Bible colleges today that do not believe the Bible. As a matter of fact, the great number of people preaching and teaching in seminaries today actually do not believe that Jesus is coming back a second time to rule and reign. They do not believe that Jesus will personally set up his kingdom here on planet Earth. If you don't believe that, 
And the real truth is, I, I don't know, I don't even know why you bother claiming to be a Christian, because what hope do we have as this world gets more and more wicked? What hope do we have if, in fact, we are not uh, able to look forward to the promise of his of his second coming? Now, we, we talked about this last week. I was going to touch on it very quickly, that probably some of the most well-known scriptures uh, in the Bible are scriptures about the birth of Jesus, about him, you know, being wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid, laid in a manger, about the about the Magi coming, about the star, but that, you know that led them. And here, here's the the most amazing thing: almost everything we've ever been taught about the first coming of Jesus, the birth of Jesus, has actually been either misinterpreted or deliberately misrepresented. Because the real truth is, religion does not want you to believe the truth about Jesus, who He is, what He has come to offer us. Now, the difference between religion and faith is that faith believes what God has already said, what God has already done, what He's already foretold, and uh, uh, acts accordingly. Religion doesn't believe what God has said, and religion actually seeks to find a way to, uh, to approach God on man's own terms. Religion doesn't believe the Bible. It doesn't believe God. It doesn't, no matter how many different ways it's proven. And let me tell you, there has never been anything in the Bible disproven scientifically, archaeologically. There has, uh, uh, there has never been anything in the Bible disproven. There are many things that over the centuries that science would insist the Bible was wrong about, only later to find out that no, science, so-called science, was wrong. The Bible always, 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 always proves to be true. And when there, I tell you, when there is, when there is a, a conflict between the Bible and what we consider to be science, either we've got dogma on the part of science or we've got dogma on the part of supposed believers, and people are trying to push their own opinion. But in the truth, if there's no dogma, it always turns out that true science and, and, and the Bible are always completely and harmony. And we learned last week that one of the prophecies in Isaiah 7, 14, was that when the Messiah came, he would be born of a virgin. I'm not going to recap that. If you had, if you didn't listen to last week's message, just run back and listen to it. You're just talking about 20, uh, 27 minutes. It'll be a great investment of your time. But one of the things that we learned is that the name, one of the names given to the Messiah is Emmanuel, God with us. And we understand from that because, because the name Emmanuel reveals the fact that through Jesus, we would actually have the, a way to see God as he really is. And that has always been the problem with God, is that mankind doesn't see God as he is. Man sees a contrived, a twisted, and an invented vain imagination of who we want God to be. You know, that's one of the reasons there are so many denominations and so many different beliefs. Uh, it's not because the Bible is that hard to understand. The Bible is made to be hard to understand so that religious uh, unbelievers can twist it to make it seem like it is, in fact, saying things that it's not. Now, it's very important that we understand all of these prophecies that foretold the coming of Jesus and gave us all of these uh, 
uh, all of these very specific details about what would happen. These are incredibly, incredibly uh, important. Uh, you know, one of the one of the scriptures that I always think about when I think about prophecy uh, uh, is, uh, again, taken from the book of Isaiah, and it talks about the fact that God sees and declares the end from the beginning. Now, that that is so phenomenal. Why is it important that God sees and declares the end from the beginning? Well, that's important because when God foretells something, especially when he foretells it with incredibly precise accuracy, then, uh, by the way, that, that, is, uh, that is Isaiah 46, 9. It says, for I am God, there is no other. I am God, there is none like me declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying my counsel shall stand and I will do all of my pleasure. God is our God. The God that we worship is the only uh, God, the only proclaimed God that foretells the end from the beginning and foretells it accurately. Never miss, never been off. There have been things, like I said, we thought that God missed, but he actually did not miss. So when we start to realize how accurate God is in foretelling things, you know, many times God foretold negative things that were going to happen. Now, religion would then say that God was, was making those things happen. No, he was just foretelling that those things would happen. And usually in these very messages where he was foretelling these bad things that were going to come, he usually explained and taught how we could get delivered from those bad things. He usually explained to us the decisions that we could make and how that would benefit our lives. And so we could look at the negative things and say, look, as sure as all of those negative things came to pass, then these promises are sure. And so it would give us reason to trust the promises when when everything uh, was absolutely going wrong. But when Jesus came to be Emmanuel, to be God with us, he came to show us, to model some things to us that were absolutely essential. Now, remember, Jesus was the Logos. We talked about this last week. He was the living Word of God, made flesh. In other words, Jesus, his life, his teachings, his ministry, his death, burial, and resurrection, this is the only place that you can look to have an accurate understanding of who God is and an accurate understanding of how to actually interpret the scriptures. One of the things that's so important about Jesus being Emmanuel, you know, in Hebrews chapter 1-3, besides what it says in John about him being the Word made flesh, Hebrews chapter 1-3 tells us that Jesus was, in fact, the exact representation of God. Now, it amazes me when you have repeated statements about him coming to manifest God, coming to reveal the glory of God, that he and the Father were one. If you've if you want to see God, look at him. Even though we have all of this, the mainline church in the world doesn't look to Jesus to understand who God is. They don't look to Jesus to determine their, their theology about God. And so most of what is taught from the pulpits of the world uh, not only are out of harmony with who Jesus declared himself to be, the real truth is 
most of what is taught about the identity, the character, and the nature of God is, in fact, in stark contradiction to who Jesus said he was, who he revealed himself to be. So, you know, we're out, out of one side of our mouth, we are calling Jesus Lord, but out the other side of our mouth, we are calling him a liar. You know, uh, I, I have heard it said by people that I respect that, you know, Jesus was either, he was either very, very ignorant, very, very deceived, and that everything that he taught, he was deceived. Everything that he said about himself, uh, he was deceived about it, or uh, that he was a deceiver, that he, he was attempting, he was a liar and a deceiver, and he was attempting to manipulate people. Or the third option is that we, the human race, are completely wrong in the way that we attempt to understand who God is. Now, I got news for you. Uh, it's a, you know, people think that because they say they believe on Jesus, that that means they actually believe on Jesus. That's not true. Uh, the question is, do you believe on Jesus as the Word of God reveals Him to be? Because if you don't, then you can't see God as He really is. You're seeing God as you want Him to be. Now, the second thing that Jesus did, and this is so incredibly important, He revealed what God looks like working through human beings. And as you're going to discover, Jesus emptied himself of all of his God attributes, and he uh, became like a man in every single way. In fact, he was tempted every single way, just like we are, yet he showed us how to overcome that temptation. He showed us how to live in victory. Now, again, people will look at that and I'll say, well, see, he, he overcame sin because he was the Son of God. No, he never did anything as the Son of God. He never worked a miracle as the Son of God. He never ministered as the Son of God. He didn't conquer death, hell, and the grave as the Son of God. He did all of those things as a man, as a human being filled with and yielded to the Holy Spirit. So he showed us what God looks like and that he showed us the character, the nature. If you don't know who God is, look at Jesus. If you're if you're trying to interpret Scripture, if you're trying to understand what the Scripture means, and you're not basing that first and foremost on Jesus' life, teaching, his, and his ministry, then you are deceived. You are not believing the truth. And But then secondly, he showed us what God looks like working through and in human beings. You know, John 14, 12, powerful Scripture. Jesus said, I say unto you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, uh, he will do also, and greater than these uh, he will do, because I go to my Father. That's pretty phenomenal. Jesus didn't come and just say, I'm going to show you something that you can never do. I'm going to show you something that you can never have. No. He said, I'm going to show you who you can be. I'm going to show you what you can do. I'm going to show you how God will work through you and will help the world around you, because anything that I can do, you can do. Why? Because he never did anything as God. He did everything as a man. In fact, he was very clear that the reason he had authority to work miracles in planet Earth was because he was the Son of Man, not because he was the Son of God. So all of these things that Jesus did, they were revelations. They showed us things uh, about 
uh, the character and the nature of God. They showed us who we could be if we would believe the truth about God, uh, the truth that God revealed in Jesus. You know, we had over 300 prophecies about the first coming of Jesus, and some sources say that for every prophecy about his first coming, there are at least eight prophecies about his second coming, which means we have somewhere around 2,500 very specific prophecies about his second coming. Why is this so important? Why do we need to understand this? You know, Jesus manifests himself to the world. Manifest means to reveal. It means to shine light on. Uh, Jesus, again, the Bible is not the Bible is not the mystery that everybody makes it out to be. It's only a mystery if we need for it to be a mystery, if we need for it to be confusing, uh, if we need to twist it to to proclaim our personal opinions and our personal beliefs, if we just let the Bible speak for itself and admit when we don't understand something and, and learn the scripture, study to show ourselves as approved, as the Bible says, there's a real truth that the Bible is not hard to understand. And the problem, though, is we have reduced prophecies about Christ's birth, about his first coming, about his second coming. We have reduced these to myth. We have reduced these to legends. We have reduced these to Bible stories. And so basically, we have this tendency to do what the Apostle Peter in 2 Peter 1.20 calls private interpretation. Now, private interpretation is where instead of taking the Scripture, looking at Jesus and say, okay, I need to understand the Scripture based on Jesus, what he revealed to me about God. Instead of doing that, we say, well, what do I want it to say? You know, what do I want to believe? What is the doctrine that I embrace? And so basically, we come up with our personal preferences about Scripture. That's what we teach. That's what we proclaim. And so the truth is, we make it hard for people to see God. We make it hard for the world to understand who Jesus is. We limit their view of God through our private interpretations, through our personal preferences. You'll stop and think about this. When Jesus came the first time, there was a reason that the Jews rejected him, crucified him. They tried to kill him and get rid of him. Why? Because the Jews did not want to believe the prophecies about the suffering Savior. And see, the first time, uh, the, or the suffering servant, the first time Jesus came, all the prophecies about his first coming were about him being the, the suffering servant, the suffering Savior, who would die on a cross. That's not who the Jews wanted as a Messiah. They wanted someone who was going to come back, who was going to break the yoke of Rome off of their neck and, uh, and rule the world there from Jerusalem, making them the ultimate supreme nation in the world. That's what, that's what they wanted. They did not want God's plan. They did not accept God's plan. So they rejected the Messiah. Everything that the Jews have gone through for the last 2,000 years, the persecution, the torments, the uh, you know, the the Nazi attempt at annihilation, the, the, all the nations of the world turning on them, all of that has been the result of the fact that they rejected their Messiah and can't participate 
in the promises and the protection and the provision of God because they don't believe it. You know, we can't participate in anything God offers if we do not believe it. Now, the problem is uh, today the church world rejects what the Bible teaches about the second coming of Jesus. See, we're, we're, we're really, really comfortable with sweet baby Jesus in the manger because sweet baby Jesus in the manger isn't Lord. You know, I've said this so many times in the past 20 or, or in the past decades, anytime I would meet a person who in the last 20 years, 10 to 20 years, had surrendered their life to Jesus as far as they knew and understood it, I have to say that I have met very few people that ever uh, surrender, surrendered their life to Jesus as Lord. Well, now, I got news for you. You, you, you can get your sins forgiven uh, by believing the truth about, about the death, burial, and resurrection. You can get your sins forgiven by believing what Jesus came to do, but you cannot live in victory if, in fact, you have not surrendered yourself to Jesus as Lord. If you do not accept the prophecies about him, if you do not surrender to him uh, as the coming king. When Jesus comes a second time, he is not coming as a baby in a manger. He is not coming uh, as a humble servant who lays down his life. He is coming back, the Bible says, to rule with a rod of iron. Now, right now, there is a, there is a movement in the body of Christ that is basically built on lawlessness. Now, lawlessness is the most wicked of all the types of sin because lawlessness is where you reject and replace God's morals, values, and standards as taught through the law and the commandments. Now, remember, I'm not talking about obeying the laws and the commandments to earn righteousness. I am not talking about obeying the laws and the commandments to earn anything from God. I am saying, if Jesus is your Lord, then and and he said, I didn't come to do away with the law and the commandments. I came to fulfill them. Now, fulfilling them doesn't mean do away with them, put an end to them. That's, you know, when you make up your own definitions to words, you can make the Bible say anything that you want it to say. But to fulfill the law and the commandments is actually to bring them to their ultimate goal, their ultimate intention. And so, you know, Jesus did not come and lower the standards for the law and the commandments. He didn't come and say, you know what? I'm just going to make the law and the commandments. I'm taking the teeth out of the law and the commandments. Uh, we're just going to, we're just going to kind of make them suggestions in general or something that you don't ever have to worry about or you ever have to think about. Well, you know, it's an amazing thing. The book of Revelation, which many believers reject, it talks about that the people who will be able to live in victory as we come into the end times, which we are hastening into the end times right now, are the people who believe on Jesus, but also hold the commandments in their heart. In other words, they have a value for the commandments of God. They recognize that, that when, you know, when God says, don't steal, when God says, don't commit adultery, when God says, don't lie, don't cheat, don't murder, don't, don't harm people, that, that the only way to truly fulfill those with God's ultimate intentions is when this is how you walk in love. And so, and so people of faith understand that all the commandments are basically 
uh, valid the way Jesus taught them through his parables, through his messages about the kingdom, and the way he modeled them. And all the commandments, instead of being a burden to weigh people down under legalistic rules, uh, uh, instead, this was how you walk in love. This is how you treat people so that they can understand who God is, so they can have this, this quality of life. You know, we have this tendency, you know, a lot of people, again, they really want to believe in the, the Jesus in the manger. So basically, they, they want a baby Jesus who doesn't rule, who doesn't reign, a baby Jesus to whom you never have to pledge allegiance and you never have to pledge lordship. And, and those people are not worshiping the Jesus of the Bible. They are not seeing him as he is right now. They cannot become overcomers because the Jesus of the Bible is not who they're looking at. It is not who they're following. And then there are people that prefer to believe on the Jesus of the cross who, who, who died for our sins. And again, People take that and they, they make it work. Okay, Jesus did it all, so we don't have to do anything. We don't even have to believe. Jesus did it all. Everything is taken care of. It's a finished work. Well, it's finished as far as God's part is concerned. It's not finished for you until you believe it in your heart. It is not finished for you until it is real for you and you are experiencing it because you have faith. You believe the truth about it. And in faith, you always commit yourself to something. But then, listen, the Jesus that's coming back is going to be a king who overthrows uh, the Antichrist, all of his armies, and puts down the worldwide rebellion that's based on lawlessness. You know, one of the attributes of the Antichrist is he will change all of the laws and all the commandments of God and ultimately call good evil and call evil good and corrupt the entire world by rejecting God's commandments as the means of expressing love and expressing God. So sadly, I don't meet many Christians that are looking forward to the king who is going to rule the world from Jerusalem with a rod of iron. And uh, you know that doesn't mean he's going to be a legalist. It doesn't mean he's going to be unfair. It does mean that there's going to be justice based on the commandments of God. The civil law during the thousand-year reign of Jesus will, in fact, be based on the law and the commandments, the way they were supposed to have been in, um, in, in Israel when they were originally given. And, and so we're going to have civil law that for the first time in the history of the world will bring peace and prosperity to the entire world. And then, of course, there's the personal, spiritual aspect of the law and the commandments, where a person gets righteousness in their heart, and they're not, they're not obeying the law to earn anything from God. They're obeying the law because they realize this is the character and the nature of God. They realize this is how to show people the love of God. And so, listen, if, if, you, want to, if you want to be a part of what Jesus is going to do when he comes for his second coming— then you need to discover the truth about the king who will rule for a thousand years from Jerusalem, who will rule the world in righteousness, 
and uh, and you need to prepare your heart for that king, and you need to prepare your heart to love the truth. You need to prepare your heart to love the righteousness of God, not in a legalistic way, but in a way that manifests the true character and nature of God. Listen, every week I'm going to be sharing some things with you about understanding how to know the coming king and how to walk with him. So be sure and share this with people. I believe it's going to be a great help. And I will be talking to you again next week. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website from previous broadcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.